as we get ready to look at chapter 15 of Matthew. It says, then Jesus came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem. Now, I, I looked at this and I thought, this, these are the big guns. These, these are the big city guys, okay? These are, this is the Atlanta crowd coming to Blairsville and telling us what's, what's, what's happening, what's going on. Well, why, they, why did these scribes and Pharisees from Jerusalem come to where Jesus was? It says, they came to Jesus and they had, a, they, they, had, they had something that had to be dealt with. All of a sudden, the burning issue. Jesus has just done the miracles of chapter 14 we've looked at. He's healed the sick. He's restored. He's fed the multitudes. And all they've taken away from all of that is that somewhere along the way, his disciples, someone on their cell phone recorded the disciples. I'm just messing with you. But... <laughs> Somewhere along the way, the disciples were seen eating before they had ceremonially washed their hands. Unheard of. How could that happen? And, and, and the word, and not only had they, been, had they been observed doing that, but that had got to be such a, such a, 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 a wrench in the cog of what was going on that man, the word of that spread, and when word reached Jerusalem and the leaders of the churches in Jerusalem, that some of Jesus' disciples were eating without washing their hands ceremonially, man, they sent a delegation up. I, uh, we, uh, we so often, so easily for us to relate our actions or what we see in other people around us. And make judgment calls. You ever notice that? Well, you know, he could. How could he be a Christian and have that? How could he be a Christian and have that many, you know, piercings all over his body? A place where you're not supposed to have piercings. How could he be a Christian? How, how could he be a Christian? You know, and look, he's got he's tattooed all over. Look at his hair. Look how he dresses. We're easy for us to draw circles, keep ourselves inside, but everybody else outside, and make judgment calls. I remember when, boy, Jerry Helton's chickens came home to roost in a real way. First night, a Friday night of an Emmaus walk and hitting center, and uh, I was there, kind of intimidated anyway. Didn't it looked, I wanted to be sure it wasn't a cult. I didn't know, and. Uh, make you take your watches off. That's, that's a big, scary thing, you know, and all this stuff. And here was this guy with long hair, piercings and rings in places that my wife didn't even happen, and tattooed all over and dressed. And, I, and I'm thinking, I'm going to pray for him. He's going to get saved this weekend. We're going to have revival. He, he's going to get saved. You know, this, this is a big fish, God. And I had my eyes spotted on him, man. And then I remember Doug Barbash, and some of you may have met Doug and know him. And I remember then he spoke. And I remember having to go to Doug and ask his forgiveness and thank him. I said, one, I want to ask your forgiveness for how quickly I judged you. And two, I want to thank you for helping me realize that who we are in Christ is not measured by how, where we're tattooed or not, where we're pierced or not. Where we have long hair. If I had it now, I'd maybe grow a ponytail. You may be bad with me. It's not on the outside. It's on her heart. It's in her heart. I was reminded how quickly we make uh, snap decisions about thing like, things like this. And uh, 
And I just happened to think of Louis Gazard. You might be a redneck. And I thought of, you might be a redneck if chiggers are indeed on your list of top five hygiene concerns. <laughs> you might be a redneck if your wife has ever said, honey, come and move the transmission so I can take a bath. <laughs> yeah. You might be a redneck if you've ever raked leaves in your kitchen. Or I love this one. You might be a redneck if you've ever given rat traps as gifts. <laughs> and I think of how quickly we regulate what's on the outside. And so here come the, the, here come the big guns from Jerusalem to Jesus. And the thing that was foremost and on their minds was his disciples, his followers have been observed not observing the tradition of the elders and so they must not be true followers of God. How could they be and disregard the traditions and the laws of Moses? And so they confront Jesus with this and Jesus in his response is not very timid. He's not very shy. He's bold. Listen to what he says. And Jesus answered them and said, why do you also transgress the commandments of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, honor your father and mother, and he that cursed father and mother, let him die the death. But you say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or mother, he shall be free. Thus, have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition? Now, what Jesus was saying, Moses in the law had said, one of the commands is honor your fathers and mothers. And so as they looked at this and, and expanded this, it was to honor, to revere, to, to respect. And that carried with it the responsibility of, of providing for them as they grew older. Today, then, they didn't have Social Security, didn't have retirement benefits. The family was expected then as, the, as they grew older to be there for them. But what had happened and what Jesus is referring to here is that as, their, as some of the parents had grown older and they had needed either financial or material help from, from their children, the children had said, hey, we, are, we gave that to the Lord. So we're sorry, mom and dad, you're on your own. We already gave that to the Lord. Tough. Now, another, another uh, gospel writer says that, that when they say it's Korzan, meaning it's been dedicated to the Lord, that they use this to, to not provide. And it's interesting as I looked up in, at the, the Korzan is that it meant that it had been dedicated to the Lord, but they could still use it. <laughs> so, so it's like this. Mom and dad, we're sorry you hadn't got a car. I know we've got two, but, the, but you need to know that the second car, we've dedicated to the Lord. We're still driving it, but when the Lord wants it, he can have it. But we're sorry, you can't use it. I looked I look at that and I thought, you've got to be, but, but Jesus looked at me and said, you see what you're doing? And it was, so, it was so in their face and so up front that he then calls them hypocrites. He says, you hypocrites, you hypocrites. Isaiah must have had you in mind when he wrote this. This people draws near me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Wow. Wow. I read this, and he's saying that our worship is far more than our words, what we say. Our worship is far more than what we sing. If it's not from the heart, he says here in verse 9, in my translation, says it's in vain. What's the other translation, guys? It says, but in vain do they worship me if their heart's on it. What's the other translation, guys, in verse 9? It's, it's a what? Their worship, no matter what you say, if your heart's not in it, it's a farce. It's a deception. What else? What other translations? It's a dogma. What else? It is worthless. Worthless worship. Another translation says it's meaningless. It's empty. And I read, I was reading these words this weekend. As Jesus spoke them to the, to those, to the big dudes from Jerusalem. And I read these words and I said, Lord... I I would never want my worship of you to be empty, to be worthless, to be meaningless, of no value, a farce. And God said, then it's got to come from your heart, Jerry. You can say it. You can talk the talk. What was it, Bob? You saw it said, you can talk the talk or walk the walk, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. So Jesus is saying to them, I don't know, it's something like that. Bob Barris can tell you. Call him, everybody, everybody call him after service and say, what'd you say? No, I don't do that to him. His daughter, his daughter will tell him, don't do that. Um, Jesus said, look, your words sound religious. You can quote large portions of scripture. You say honoring words, but if your heart's not in it, If your heart ain't in it, it's empty, it's meaningless, it's worthless. I don't want to waste my time on a Sunday morning, Jeff said, when the sun's shining. Oh, man. I don't want to spend an hour or an hour and a half or two hours wasting time with worship that's empty. And it's a matter of the heart. And it looks like as we get to this point that Jesus, that they have asked to speak with him and maybe they've, they've stepped aside or they've went away from the multitudes or, they, or Jesus has asked the people to leave for just a little while. And the question comes, the question is very clear, it's obvious. Lord, am I worshiping you with my heart? Is my heart in it? Is my heart in it? Now, I just want to confess up front, but a lot of times, especially when I was younger, brought to church, and I endured it. <laughs> you know, you sit there, and you, yeah, that's okay, that's okay. But as the more as I, as I realized what Jesus had done for me, I want to worship him. And one thing that concerned me is, is reading this, another thing that, that really bothered me. We're living in a consumer mentality culture. Are, are you aware of that? And, and when I think of true worship of who God is, 
And I want to be, I want to be very, I want to be sensitive, I want to be understanding. But our worship of God is about who he is and what he's done and all that he is. And it's not going to him, again, but it's not, it's not getting into it for what I can get out of it. See, now I got nine years old. I just want to tell you one of the strong motivators in my life at nine years old to be saved is I didn't want to die and go to hell. And at nine years old, I knew that if I didn't ask Jesus to come into my heart, that, I, that, that Jesus, one day, Jesus would have no, he wouldn't have the option of saying, Jerry, come into heaven. If I didn't trust him and receive him, I knew that I, would, that I was stopping that option that Jesus would have to say to me one day, I'm sorry, you'll have to leave. You'll have to go to hell because you never accepted me. And that was a strong motivator for me. And I know that. But to say I want to become a Christian for what I can get out of it is missing a lot. It's missing a whole lot. And to worship. You know, you come and worship and feel anointed of God. But our worship of our heart is so much more. And it looks like now in verse 10 that Jesus calls a multitude back. And he says, hey, come over here. Are they, are they either that or him and the big dudes from Jerusalem walk back over to where they are? And Jesus said to the multitude, listen to this. He said, hear and understand. He'd say, listen to me. Listen to me. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. And then his disciples came to him and said, don't you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard you say this? Now, I love this. <laughs> I, get so, I, got, I read this and I cackled. I did. I'm sitting in my office and I just cackled because, again, the disciples have got to, the disciples feel like they feel compelled to go and tell Jesus that he's offended these guys. Jesus, you may not have known what you've done, but you just don't talk to the big dudes from Jerusalem like that when they come up here, you know, and they're going to go back and we're not going to get a favorable report down in the temple in Jerusalem and everybody's going to look at us and they're going to say, we're a bunch of rednecks and they're going to do redneck jokes about us. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just messing with you, but what they're, what, they come to Jesus and they try to straighten them out. Jesus, you've offended them. He don't slack up much. Look at verse 13. Then Jesus said, every plant which my heavenly father didn't plant will be rooted up. Leave them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the ditch. How about interpreting that for them, Disciples. Well, it's got something to do. We need to get some glasses, I guess, where we can understand and read this stuff. You knew exactly what he meant. Then Peter says to him, Lord, what are you talking about? We don't understand what you're talking about coming in, eating, going to the mouth. I don't know if they'd been privy to the conversation about the worst hands. I think they probably had been. Then Jesus said to Peter in verse 15, 16, Peter are you also yet without understanding? He would say, man, I've been trying to teach y'all about the, about the parables and understanding this stuff. I don't understand why you don't understand this, Peter. Don't you understand that whatever enters in at the mouth goes into the belly and out the digestive system. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And they defile the man. For out of the heart... Jesus said, listen, listen, remember, the, the, remember what he said to the, to, the, to the big dudes from Jerusalem. 
Isaiah must have been thinking about you when he said they, they worship me with their words and they draw near me, but their hearts ain't in it. Their hearts are far from it. He says, Jesus says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders. You know what the motivator, you know, the motivator of the, of the shooting last Wednesday? From the heart, an evil heart, murders, adulteries from the heart. Looking and wondering and thinking what it would be like to be with that man or that woman instead of the one you're married to. Fornications, thefts, lying, blasphemies. All start in the heart. Long before they become actions on the outside. Long before the shooting, he pulled the trigger Wednesday. There was this thought in his heart. There was this imagination. He had posted it on Facebook. Some had tried to report it. He was thinking about it. Jesus said, it's what's in your heart that's going to come out and reveal who you really are. You can talk the talk. You can say the words. But if your heart's not mine, if your heart's not been changed, then your worship is empty, meaningless, worth nothing, and even a farce. And then he said to him, these are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashing hands doesn't defile a man. Jesus, Jesus said, guys, it's this, these things that come out of the heart. That's what condemns you. It's not eating without washing. But they were so quick. The religious people were so quick to draw circles, put themselves inside of it, and say, we wash all the time. But those on the outside surely don't, aren't doing it the right way. They must not be followers of Christ. Boy, let's be careful that we don't do that. I've, oh, man, I've learned that some of the people probably more close to the Lord, we would probably thought John the Baptist was a wild man. I'm told, you know, homemade fur coat. All this. One of the things in here said, you may be a redneck if you have a homemade fur coat. I, <laughs> Jesus said, hey, it's not those. He said, it's not the ceremonial washing of your hands. That's not what it is. Jesus came, and he understand, Jesus came to change hearts. Now, he says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost, and he did. And, the, and he rescues us by changing a heart, changing our heart. The psalmist David said, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. We sang the chorus, change my heart, O God, make me ever true. Change my heart, O God, make me more like you. Story is told of an old man who said, when I was young, I wanted to change the world. I found I couldn't, so I tried to change my community. I found I couldn't change my community, so I tried to change my family. I found that I couldn't do that, so I decided to let God change me, and everything changed. Wow, so true, so true. This morning, there'll be, continue to be debates and there'll continue to be discussions. It's interesting to me that at the same time this shooting was going on, at the same, in the follow-up of that, that on a national television program, I think The View with Joy Behart, one of the hosts, that she would publicly condemn and denounce Vice President Trump, or Pence. 
And everything I can understand and read about Vice President Pence is that he is a, he's a Christian man. He's a godly man that really tries to model his life after, after God's word and lets, lets his Christianity be the real deal rather than trying to define his Christianity by who he is. And so the vice president had made the comment that as he had talked to the Lord and that he listened for Jesus to talk to him. And, and she went off, man. How could, you know, she said a, a person that hears God speaking to them is mentally, mentally ill and unfit for office. And there was clapping. Now, there, to, to you know, complete picture, Paul Harvey, the rest of the story, there's been those, she's, she's took a lot of criticism this week. But, but at the same time, there's, there's, there's a lot. What she said last week on public television 10 years ago could not have been thought of ever been said on television. But, but listen to me, that which was, would not have been thought of 10 years ago can be said today. And tomorrow or 10 years from now, I listened to her say this and I said, you know what? Jim, it's not far, it's not far removed than that every Christian who hears from God is a liability because they too, Anise, could be mentally, what was that word, insane? Mentally ill. Yeah, just uh, put me in a mental institution with my Jesus. (laughs) But, But it reflects, it's a reflection of a culture that is devalued life and of a culture that is more concerned with looking and seeing if people are washing their hands than if their hearts are changed. If you're here this morning and maybe you're like Jerry Helton was, maybe you're going to have to do some soul search and say, you know what, God, I, I don't want to be one of those people that make quick judgment by looking on the outside. Forgive me where I've sinned and where I've failed. Look at what you've done in my heart and my life. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're, you've, you're, you're, de- you're debating, you've, you've considered giving your heart to the Lord. Maybe you've even been deceived by thinking that if you just started saying the right things, and doing the right things like coming to church and giving you tithes and all. Nothing wrong with that. But that don't save you. That don't save you. Saving you is a matter of a heart change and Jesus does that. He does that. And if you're here this morning and you've never, you've never just given him your heart, it'd be a good morning as we pray just to say, here's my heart, oh God. I need you to change it. I don't want my worship to be empty and worthless and meaningless. Jim? Yeah. Yeah, Jim. Good good point. Jim makes a very good point that that Nicholas Cruz, and this is the thing, here's a young man all that he's been through, all that he loses his parents, everything else, but the cries around him that he would be a young life, he would ruin many lives, but his life is ruined. The cries and the pains, oh Lord, make us sensitive to those around us. And that's with a heart 
that's sensitive to him. Let's pray. Wow, Lord. You, uh, Jesus really, really kind of got right down to where we live this morning. In this conversation with uh, religious leaders out of Jerusalem and with his disciples. And he said it was a lot more, it wasn't, it was surely a lot more than just washing hands. It's a lot more than what we say and what we sing. It's where our hearts are. And this morning, Father, as we as we evaluate and as Jim says, as 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 our nation, as we continue to look and say, you know, help us to be sensitive. When did we miss this cry for help? When did we miss this or that? Lord, help us to be very kingly tuned in to your Holy Spirit and quick to obey, as Jim shared. Now, Father, this morning, as you put in perspective that our worship of you, that you see as worship, is that which comes from the heart. It's my prayer that there's those that are here that, Lord, that look and say, you know what, I've, I've been trying to do the outward things, but I, I, just, I just realized, I just realized I've never given you my heart. And this morning, Lord, I want to give it to you. I want you to take my heart, and I want you to change it into a heart that's tender to you I want you to change it into what you want me to be if that's you with no one looking around just as a symbolic act I want you to raise your hand and in raising your hand just say here's my heart God just keep it up here's my heart I'm giving it to you and I'm asking you take it make it who you want me to be take your hands down Father we are overwhelmed and overcome with the overflooding love that you love us with. Make us people, loving people, forgiving people, people tender and sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Whether it's in praying for Coach Hughes or one of these other requests, whether it's in ministering to a neighbor in great need, whether it's being real before our children and our spouse. May our worship of you not be empty because our hearts are all in it. In your name I pray.